Combat sports fans, it's time for Strong Style. Impact Media's weekly dive off the top rope into the world of mixed martial arts and MMA. Slow tease on that one. As always, I am Jeremy the Impact York. Welcome in. I haven't done a show in a couple weeks. I apologize. It has been some interesting weeks. But we are right back on schedule. Got uh, got a bunch we got to do because there are some fun activities here at Impact Media coming up that I want to tell you guys about. Um, we are recording tonight Strong Style. Uh, soon following thereafter, we will do uh, that sports show, our all-inclusive sports show. Both of those will be recorded tonight. We hope to get them posted by tomorrow morning if they... There's a chance they all get posted tonight. Um, we're doing that because the NFL draft is tomorrow night, and I know myself, maybe Jake and John from right here at Impact Media, we are all going to live tweet the draft, which uh, means we're not going to necessarily talk about every pick. We're going to talk about some of the uh, interesting ones, or the ones we think are interesting, the ones that are a little more impactful things like that. I love to live tweet. I am I am uh, dragging, hopefully dragging them into it as well. We have a lot of fun and banner anyway. I said, hey, we should be posting this for everybody else to see. So we're going to be doing that tomorrow night, at least me. Uh, I'm gonna, I, there's a couple logistic things I'm trying to clear up with them. Uh, hopefully they can join. If not, uh, don't worry. There's a good chance you are going to see and hear them later this week because on Saturday, one of our fav- favorite local Hangout spots, printers, ale, and uh, and brewery that is uh, in Carrollton. If you haven't been there, definitely go check it out. Go see our friends at Printers Ale. Uh, they are having their six-year anniversary, I guess, or six-year birthday, or whatever they want to call it. They've been around six years, which is amazing. They were a fantastic place. We are going to be hanging out there probably mid-afternoon into the evening. Not sure exactly when we're going to be there yet. We'll know more about that later. But uh, come by and see us. Come by and get some amazing beers. They're going to have uh, all kinds of fun stuff going on. There's always food trucks. There's always other things. And for those in your party who don't drink, they have a couple uh, great options there uh, other than their amazing beer. Definitely go check those out. Uh, we're going to be there sometime Saturday. Like I said, I don't know exactly when because the event doesn't start till 12, but I know pretty good idea we're not going to be there at 12. Uh, but just so many fun things going on. I think that is all the Impact Media stuff for this week. Uh, if you listen to that sports show coming up right after this, you will hear probably similar, if not the same announcement. But other than that, let's jump into the world of mixed martial arts but before we do that because i almost forgot i want to tell you the ways you can be a part of this show you can email us at three endzone at gmail.com that is the number three e-n-d-z-o-n-e at gmail.com you can put some on the subject line if you want if not i can pretty much figure out what you're talking about which show you're pertaining to uh just based off the question um, you can find us on Facebook, Impact Media, Strong Style, Jeremy York, any of those should find us. 
you can find us on Twitter if you just want to click a link and listen to a show. We appreciate you guys, and you can do so going to at Team Impact Media on Twitter. Scroll down to the show you want to listen to, and click on it, and listen as many times as you want. There is no cap on the amount of times you can listen to it. Some places have caps. We do not. Uh, if you want to follow me for things like us being at printers, or uh, follow along on Twitter as we live tweet events, you can do so by following at the Impact 99 and yes, I see a lot of my new followers and, and likes and things like that. And I appreciate you guys. I'm trying to follow you guys back. Uh, Instagram was being weird earlier, not letting me do that. So we are working on figuring that out. But I, I'm definitely going to follow you guys back. But you can do so on Twitter, Triller, TikTok, and Instagram, The Impact 99 And also, you can find us anywhere you find a podcast, including Podcast One, Spotify, and the iTunes Store. If there's a place you regularly find a podcast that you cannot find us, please let us know. We'll fix that as soon as possible. I promise you. So, as I said, hadn't done a show in a little bit, so got a couple things to review. Then we'll jump into some previews, and uh, then we'll jump into the world of uh, some of the bigger stories from this past week in wrestling. Because actually, in wrestling, the last two weeks, they pretty much had the same themes. The difference is has been that in fighting, each week has its own its own kind of uh, main events. So, let's get into that. We're going to start with UFC Fight Night, Max Holloway versus Arnold Allen. This happened uh, a couple weekends ago. And uh, it pretty much went the way that I thought it would. I told you guys, uh, Max Holloway is who I picked to win this fight. Max Holloway will probably win by decision or probably do enough to win this fight easy. Um, it's not that Arnold Allen is a slouch or not on his level or anything like that. It's just Max is one of the best going, one of the best around. And that's, I mean, he gets unanimous decision whenever Arnold Allen. Arnold Allen, if, man, he come out guns blazing. He really did come out guns blazing. He was pushing the pace, and that says a lot. To Max Holloway, who can usually go with anybody, and then I, I don't know if he if he uh, blew his wad, so to say, so early. But as Arnold Allen started to back off a little bit, Max Holloway just took over and he fought his fight, and he won at least three out of the five rounds, which is enough for the unanimous decision. Uh, here's the thing, though: Allen looked so good in this that I would say, even though he lost and got his second loss of his career. I don't know that it necessarily drops him uh, in the standings or, or things like that. I think he's actually, I think he's actually still in a pretty good spot. But uh, great fight, uh, one of the better fights that the fight night shows have shown uh, this year, and it, it was the it was the battle we thought we would see. Uh, also on that card, the co-main event, Edson Barbosa gets the TKO victory over Billy Q, otherwise known as Billy Quarantilo. Two minutes and 37 seconds into round number one. Uh, Billy Q had some good moments, and then he kind of ducked his head a little, and Edson Barbosa caught, I think that was the knee he caught him with, right? If I, it's been a couple weeks, I'm trying to put that together, but I know Barbosa caught him with a strike, 
that uh, pretty much uh, turned the lights out. And uh, that was that was all she wrote for that one. Uh, Billy Cust is is still a great fighter, guys. Let's not forget that. Uh, but Edson Barbosa still has that knockout ability, and he showed it. Um, next fight, Dustin Jacoby took on Azamat Mirzakhanov. Mirzakhanov gets the unanimous decision win over Dustin Jacoby. Uh, this was a solid fight. You know, Azamat, there's a reason why he is undefeated. Uh, he he controlled the fight. That's why he ends up with the unanimous decision win. And uh, once again, Dustin Jacoby, even though he lost, uh, I don't think it really drops his, his stock all that much. But uh, Azamat, congratulations on the win. He is now 13-0-0 in the lightweight, light heavyweight division. Interesting to see where he'll be at this point because even though he's 13-0, where is he in the rankings? You know, where where do they consider him? Uh, next fight, Tanner Bozer took on Eon Kudalaba. Kudalaba, I think, got tired of hearing the hype about Tanner Bozer and how Tanner Bozer was going to come to light heavyweight and uh, and you know set the set the woods on fire, so to say. And uh, Eon Kudalaba reminded him, "Those are metal trees; they're not going to burn." He gets a TKO victory, two minutes and five seconds into round number one. Uh, I think Tanner just got caught flat-footed, basically. And it happens. To great fighters, to bad fighters, to ones in between, uh, I think Tanner Bowes is a great fighter. Uh, he's got a lot of really good skills. I don't know if he's going to stay at light heavyweight or if he's going to pop back up to heavyweight or not. But uh, Tanner Bowes still has got many good fights in him. Uh, just He got beat by the better fighter tonight, Neon Kudalaba. Uh, okay, two more fights because I got to talk about the sixth fight. Uh, fifth fight: Pedro Munoz gets unanimous decision win over Chris Gutierrez. This is a really good fight. Uh, I thought Gutierrez was going to have the advantage coming in, and if he did, uh, somebody's got to tell Pedro Munoz. Uh, but a back and forth fight. I think they got it right with the decision. And a uh, good win for Pedro and Chris Gutierrez will probably rebound and have a pretty solid fight, I'd say, in two or three more months. He'll be right back on it. i got to talk about this one. Uh, Rafa Garcia gets unanimous decision win over, I call him Captain Caveman, but uh, Clay Guida. Uh, it's a good fight. I mean, Clay Guida... Was getting pieced up a little bit by Rafa Garcia, but it, it was not as far-fetched as a lot would say. 29-28 uh, Garcia would, would be what I would have scored the fight. I don't remember. I think somebody had it 30-27, which was just ridiculous. But, uh, you know, Rafa said some, some uh, good stuff, and uh, Clay Guida had taken his gloves off, so Daniel Cormier calls him in. So Clay, uh... Uh, you got something you, you want to say? I see you took the gloves off. And uh, Guida bait and switched us all. He said, uh, yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not retired or anything. I just had some stuff to say. And he goes on to say some really good things. And apparently he made Dana mad about that because it was a... They were tied into a live broadcast. They, they were a live broadcast at the time. And uh, they were up against a break, but they didn't go to the scheduled break because it looked like Guida was going to retire. So uh, apparently, 
<laughs> Apparently, he made the boss mad a little bit. But good on you, Clay Guida. He has fought 58 times. He probably legitimately has three or four more years left of solid fighting if he really wants to. Uh, and he, you know, he, he still looks to be in good shape. But uh, that was hilarious the way uh, he uh, he was able to pull that on uh, everybody. Uh, good win from Julian Robinson, by the way, Robertson, by the way, over Pierre Rodriguez. Uh, there was another one. Um, yeah, Gaston Bolaños. You named decision win over Aaron Phillips early on in the card. That was a good fight. That was a good fight. I liked it. Hopefully you guys did too. But we move from one fight night to the next fight night, which was Sergey Pavlovich versus Curtis Blades. Uh, Pavlovich reminded everybody that he gets paid by the fight, not by the round. He ends this one three minutes and eight seconds into round number one with the TKO victory. Uh, Blades look good on his feet. I just I want before I get into the good things about Sergey, I just want to know at some point who is going to be the one to stand up and tell Curtis Blades. You are probably, if not arguably, the best wrestler in the heavyweight division. Stop trying to box everybody. We know you can win on your feet. We've seen you win on your feet. That is not your strongest point. If you, I mean, there's there's just a bunch of of uh, standing bangers, basically. People that love to just stand and trade blows back and forth in the heavyweight division. There's a couple wrestlers in there, and there's a couple grappling things or jujitsu but not much the heavyweight division is mostly guys who just want to punch each other and while there's nothing wrong with that if you have a distinct advantage like Curtis Blades does where he can just wrestle the crap out of you for as long as he really wants to yeah it's boring and that is I think where it got turned around it was a couple years ago Somebody got in his head, he said it was the fans, uh, okay, it might have been the ones who was raising the fuss there, but uh, that, that even though he was winning by just wrestling people for three to five rounds, however many the fight was for, and he was dominating the whole time and winning on the points, and actually not taking a lot of damage from himself, you know, not if you're wrestling somebody to the ground and you're dominating from top control and, and uh, just winning through your grappling and wrestling, you're also not getting punched and elbowed in the face, and you're not getting kicked in the ribs. That's not a bad way to, to go about it. But clearly at some point, somebody said, that's boring. That's boring. Oh, if that guy ever wants any kind of opportunity, he's got to do something more exciting. He's got to punch more. He's got to win on his feet. He's got to knock people out. Curtis, don't listen to them. Curtis, you are so good at wrestling. You really are. I mean, I could bring back some of the, the bigger heavyweights from the past, and I think you could out-wrestle them. I would love to see you wrestle against some of them. But, you know, I mean, Curtis and John Jones, I, I think he's one of the few that's going to give John Jones a mess. Because John can wrestle, but... Uh, Curtis is just crazy good. Just crazy good. However, I'm talking about the guy who lost this. So, 
Let's talk about the guy who won this, Sergei Pavlovich. He is one of the best strikers. Not because he just won this fight here. Not because he's been doing well. No, watch him. Watch this guy. He is... You gotta think, if Curtis Blades is the one who is the wrestler-grappler that will give John Jones fits, I feel like Sergey Pavlovich can give John fits in the striking category. And John is a great striker. John Jones is a great striker. He's got a crazy range. But if Sergey can figure out that range, we might have a Donnybrook on our hands. And that is very, very exciting. Uh, great win, though. He is now 18-1-0. You gotta think... You gotta think after... After John Jones versus Stipe, if and when that ever happens, I think it goes back and forth every day. It's it's uh, worse than a, a teen vampire drama on a network. It's just all over the place. Uh, each side saying it's the other's fault. I don't know. This is... I don't know. It's ridiculous. But uh, you got to think Sergei Pavlovich would be the number two contender, so, you know, just the, the the one behind Stipe. And hey, if the Stipe thing falls apart and John Jones still wants to fight, and I'm pretty sure he does, take on Sergey Pavlovich. I, you know, take my money. Uh, good for Sergey, though. We're going to move on. I uh, just wanted to get some of that out of the way and off, you know, because the stuff you guys are talking about, too. I hear what you guys are saying. I hear what the other guys are saying. So we want to talk about it here. We want your input as well. All those places I said you can find us. Send us questions, comments, suggestions, uh, ratings, reviews, all that fun stuff. Send it to us, you know. We want to hear it. If you think I'm full of crap. Or you think that is the best thing you've ever heard in your life. Hey, let me know. If it's somewhere in between, great. Once again, if you see us out at events, if you happen to come out to Printers on Saturday and see us, come on over. Love to chat. As many shows as we do, I'm sure we will find one, a topic that you actually want to talk about. Um, oh, next up, the co-main event on that particular Uh, card was Brad Tavares versus Bruno Silva. Bruno Silva, 3 minutes and 35 seconds into round number 1. Gets the TKO victory over Brad Tavares. Uh, Bruno Silva. Whew. If he's going to start knocking people out, he could be a problem. Definitely could be a problem for people in the middleweight division. Fun, fun, fun fighter to watch. Uh, Brad Tavares just got caught. I mean, Bruno Silva's really good. Tavares is good, too. He's got caught. It happens. Um, we got to talk about this one because uh, it was, well, lack of a better way to put it, it was bizarre. Bobby Green versus Jared Gordon. There was an incidental headbutt that uh, caused one fighter to not be able to continue. And the other one to be accused of potentially doing it on purpose. Yeah. I'm here to tell you, every video I've seen, 
Eh, there's one that's yeah, a little iffy, but all the rest of them, including everybody involved in this, do not think it was on purpose. I don't think it was on purpose. Uh, but unfortunately, when they could not continue, that is called a no contest. It was 4 minutes and 35 seconds into round number one. And uh, I don't know if you line these two back up or not, but they're both really good fighters. And I would not hurt my feelings if I saw Jared Gordon uh, doing other things after this. Maybe Bobby Green too. Uh, but instant headbutt, it ended up causing a premature end to the fight. Welcome to fighting. Sometimes weird things happen. Uh, next up, uh, Yasmin Lucindo gets a unanimous decision win over Brogan Walker in the women's flyweight. Lucindo uh, had a really good show, and Brogan was pretty good. Uh, Lucindo was definitely better. She was fighting her fight. And uh, she got the best of Walker and walks away with the victory. Uh, finally, Jeremiah Wells gets the split decision win over Matthew uh, Samelsberger. It's a good fight. I'm not saying that because it was a split decision or that it was a week ago and I don't remember it. I do remember it. I do remember this fight. Uh... I like that the judging was a little better this past week. There was a couple times before it was a little uh, iffy, at least by public perception and my own. But a uh, good win for Jeremiah Wells. He moves on the welterweight division. Uh, Matthew Smelsberger is uh, no slouch. He will be doing, he'll still be fighting next time around. And uh, at 11 and 5, it's not like he's. You know, he's not too far out of the game to, to be able to make a run. So I think uh, he'll make some uh, some good progress as well. But uh, good for Jeremiah Wells. Always good with a Jeremy does something good. He's such a bad rap. You guys know that. Uh, Norma Dumont over Carol Rosa in unanimous decision. Norma looked really good in her featherweight fight. Uh, Mohamed Usman, unanimous decision win over Junior Taffa. Taffa had some good moments. But Kamaru Usman's little brother, even though he's about twice the size of him, uh, Muhammad got the advantage and never let go of the advantage. He knew how to basically ride it out, and he did. He stayed active, he stayed busy, and he made sure that Junior Tafa was never going to pass him on the score sheet. Great, great, great job. Um, yeah, that was pretty much all of that one. All the big ones there. So it brings us to this weekend. We're on Saturday. We're going to get UFC Fight Night. Song Yadong versus Ricky Simone. It is not Simon. It is Simone. That is from the Apex in Las Vegas. The prelims are going to start on ESPN2 and ESPN Plus at 4.30. Which is why producer Sassy is already DVRing that. Make sure we don't miss it. And ESPN Plus starting at 7. In fact, there's a chance that if the prelims start while we're still over at printers, maybe you can stop by and watch a couple fights on my phone. Because I will probably have it on. But uh, your main event is Song Yadong at a plus 105. Ricky Simone is the favorite at minus 125. 
it's gonna be a fun fight. It's gonna be a fun fight, guys. Uh, you don't hear a lot about Song Yudong, even though he is a solid fighter. I mean, he finds himself in the main event, so it's not like he sucks. He's pretty good. He's pretty good, and him and Ricky Simone are going to want to uh, basically have a punching contest, a striking contest. Uh, they both could take it to the ground. I, I see Song and Ricky wanting to stand and and deliver with this one. So, uh, should be really good. Uh, usually, I go for. Uh, Ricky in a lot of his fights. I am going to take Song Yudong for I don't know what reason. I'm just going to go against my norm because I've missed a couple main events in a row. And probably means that, that Ricky Simone is going to win. But either way, should be fun. Um, Co-main event is Cal Borjalo. Because, for people who don't know, and thanks to John Anik for... Uh, explaining it on his podcast this week with Brazil or with Portuguese. If you see two R's back to back, it makes an H sound. So B O R R A L H O becomes Bohalo. So Cal Bohalo versus Michael Olajacic. Olajacic. That's it. Olajacic. Am I saying that correct? I don't know. I'll probably butchered both of them. Um, this is going to be a great fight. Uh, Michael has really, really put on some great performances and shows leading up to this, even though he is the plus 295 dog in this one. Kyle Bohalo is a minus 370. He is a big favorite. He is like the next big rising star at the moment. And uh, I would say pretty much a... This is a much watch. This may actually be better than the main event, but the main event could really deliver as well. I'm going to take Kyle Borjalo. Not because he's a big favorite, because I think he's going to have the advantage on the feet slightly. And if this goes to the ground, I actually think he stands a better chance there. So I'm going to go with Borjalo. Uh, matchup number three, Rodolfo Vieira. Or Vieira, we'll go with that. Versus Cody Brundage. Cody Brundage is a plus two hundred dog, a minus two forty favorite for Rodolfo Vieira. I actually think Cody Brundage is going to pull this off. I think he is uh, probably going to win by decision. These two are going to almost end the fight a couple different times a piece but I think Cody Brundage is going to be your unanimous decision winner and I will go with that one uh, Julian Arosa versus Fernando Padilla Padilla plus 110 uh, underdog a minus 130 favorite for Arosa I'll be honest, I don't know a lot about either one of these fighters. And the fact that they are very close in uh, the money lines there tells me that this is either evenly matched or Vegas doesn't know much either. But they're the fourth match on the main card, otherwise known as the second to be on television. Um, I will take Julian Arosa in this one. And finally, last on... Nope, there's two that are left on the main card. As Marcos Rogero 
De Lima is going to take on Valdo Cortez Acosta. Minus 180 for De Lima. Cortez Acosta at plus 155. I do know about these two because these two heavyweights have fought other people before. I have seen them fight. I give the advantage to uh, Marcos the favorite, but I am going to take uh, Cortez Acosta because I think he is going to push the pace and he's going to keep Marcos on his heels a little more than Marcos really wants to. And I think that is going to give him the big advantage. And then last on the main card, we're going to get Trey Waters versus Josh, Josh Quinlan. Uh, Trey Waters is 7-1-0 versus the undefeated 6-0-0 Josh Quinlan. Quinlan is a minus 175, plus 150 for Trey Waters. I think these, this is going to be. The, they're going to they're going to they're going to trade and bang too. They're they're going to want to keep it on the feet. They're going to be in a strike war. I think Josh Quinlan is going to find a way to uh, keep Trey Waters at bay. And I will say that Quinlan, he might if he gets a stoppage, it'll be in the third round. But he's probably going to win by decision. But I think that's going to be a really good fight as well. This is a very good card of people you may not have heard about all of them because like I said there's a couple that I've had to do some research on a couple that I just I'm not real familiar with but there are some good good solid matchups this card should be really really fun I mean uh, Jake Collier Cody Durden Stephanie Eggers on this card uh, Haley Cowan uh, there's some good stuff in there definitely some good stuff Um, but that wraps up our UFC coverage. Let's jump into Bellator, which had two back-to-back -back events over this past weekend. Um, one went pretty chalk, and the other one, not so much. So, let's start with the Friday night event. They are over in Honolulu, Hawaii, where we saw Liz Carmouche. Take on Deanna Bennett. Bennett had a good showing. Bennett did some really good stuff. Uh, you guys can kind of see where, where I'm foreshadowing into this one. But Liz Carmouche is the world champion in the flyweight division for a reason. She gets a submission win here. Uh, I, it's going to be hard for somebody to stop Liz Carmouche. She is on quite the run. Somebody might. But it was not Deanna Bennett on this night. I thought this uh, was definitely main event worthy. It was a great fight, great performance, and congratulations to Liz Carmouche on her title defense. Uh, Tim Johnson versus Saeed Salma. Both of these guys coming off losing streaks. Both of them really needing a solid win. But only one could get it. And that was Tim Johnson. Gets the decision win in this one. Um, we'll see if it's enough because I think him and Saeed are both at the end of their contracts. They're both really good fighters, though, by the way. I don't know if Bellator is just going to let them walk. But definitely Tim getting the win is, is uh, going to go a little bit further in him potentially uh, probably getting a better... Uh, re-sign contract or thing like that. 
other than that, this this was I mean this was a good fight. This was two heavyweights who were basically fighting for potentially their lives in Bellator. Well, we'll see what happens with that, but good for Tim Johnson. Um, you know this one didn't this one didn't uh, surprise me that much. Let's see. I picked Liz to win. I picked Tim Johnson to win. I also picked Sarah McMahon to win. I believe she was making her debut in Bellator versus Arlene Blenko. And Sarah McMahon does get the decision win. It was a good debut. Like I said, I believe it's her debut, but it was a good showing. Uh, Arlene is is definitely one of the the almost gatekeepers to a point. You have to get through her to get higher up on the card. And Sarah, I thought more than than brought it, and definitely won the fight. Not you know not a lot of frills in this one. It was just straight up you know technique. And uh, good for Sarah. Congratulations on the win. Um, did I get the entire? No, I did miss one. Okay, I was about to say. Uh, Danny Sabatello took on Marcus Breno. I knew Sabatello was going to win. This guy is a monster. I actually think if he fought Raphael Stotts again, he might win that fight. And that is no knock on Raphael. We will get to him in a minute. He headlines the next card. But Sabatello is a heck of a fighter. He's a heck of a fighter. If you guys think he is a straight-up trash talker, he more than backs it up in the cage. Uh, he gets a submission win against Marcos Breno here. But I feel like he can win half a dozen ways. And uh, he is making ATT look super, super amazing for having him on their roster. He could be a future champ. Definitely a future champ. Uh, Marcus Breno had a, had a good showing, but Sabatello is like a man possessed. And I think it set him off even more when he didn't beat Stotts. That uh, he wants to not only get that loss back, but he wants to come for the title. Um, and lastly, uh, Levon Chukeli took on Michael Lombardo. This was the only one on the main card of this one that I missed. I thought Lombardo was going to win this. I was wrong. Uh, Chukeli ends up with the decision win in this one. Uh, these two welterweights, man, they they were they were put on the show for a while. They, there was some good some good banging, and then there was uh, you can see the strategies start to kick in, and Chikeli had the better strategy, so he gets the victory. Uh, let's go to Bellator two. Was it two ninety five? There's so many of these now; they're so hard to keep up with. This was. Two ninety five. That was two ninety four. This is two ninety five. And in the main card, the finals of the Bantamweight World Grand Prix, as the previously mentioned, Raphion Stotts took on Patchy Mix. Let me say this: Raphion Stotts. Um, I don't know if he listens to all the shows, but I know he listens to this show, which will not bear anything on whether I say good, bad, indifferent, anything like that. Uh, Stotts is a tremendous fighter. 
Stotts is a world title caliber fighter. In fact, he was the interim bantamweight champion coming into this one because he knocked off the champ early in in the Grand Prix that he called for after a big win, uh, what, six, eight months ago. I thought he should have called for a title shot. He said, let's do a Grand Prix. More power to you. And like I said, he is he has commented and uh, followed parts of this show, so I appreciate him for that. Would love to have you on, Raphion, if you uh, are ever so inclined. We will try to make logistics work. Love to have you on here. Um, but Patchy Mix, Patchy is oftentimes forgotten when people talk about the Bantamweight division because you will normally say a Pitbull brother, or you will say Raphion, or you will say, I mean, there's a bunch of Bantamweights that you might say before Patchy. Patchy came in with only one loss to this fight. I, I'll be honest, I thought Patchy Mix had lost three or four times already. But that shows you how much I was paying attention. Uh, Patchy Mix came in with a plan. He did not care that uh, Raphion had a loss on his record as well. He did not care that he was the interim champ. Did not care about any of that stuff. Because just a handful of minutes into this fight. Just a handful. See if I can get the actual. There it is. One minute and 20 seconds into round number one. He came in with a plan. He saw something that Raphion does where occasionally when he throws some solid strikes or power strikes that he tends to dip his head a little sometimes to one side or the other. He doesn't always do it but it's a small thing he saw. He sometimes dips his head because Raphion is a wrestler and he is looking to potentially take you down if he gets the angle. So he threw some shots, Raphian threw some shots as well, and when he saw his head start to dip, he smashed him with a power knee that uh, probably rattled the jaws of spectators, because I want to not only give Patchy Mix his due for that strike and for that strategy, that was not a random strike, he knew it, and he saw it, and when he saw it, he snatched that brass ring. And I also am doing it to defend Raphion a little bit. Like I said, this is not something he does every time. This is a small, small little pebble in a giant wall that is his game that Patchy and his crew saw. And I'm also saying it because that knee would knock out practically everybody on the earth. But congratulations to Patchy Makes. He not only wins the World Grand Prix, got an awesome belt for that one. Uh, he is the interim bantamweight champion. Uh, not sure when they're going to eventually have the actual champion face him for all that. But good for you, Patchy Mix. Love to have you on the show as well. In fact, if you both want to be on the same time, I'm cool with that because you're both professionals. I wouldn't have a problem with either one of you. We know that. But uh, good for Patchy Mix. He absolutely deserved it. Uh, Raphion apologized to his his followers, um, and I understand why he did that. But Raphion, I don't think you need to do that. I, I I don't I don't think it's necessary. If you feel that you want to do it, hey, you're a grown man. Who am I to say anything? But 
if you're apologizing because Patchy got you with a, a massive solid shot that uh, that he was he was he was looking for. I, I think no apology necessary. Uh, I think if you guys lined it up again, I don't think it would happen. But uh, somewhere down the line, we're going to see Patchy Mix versus Raffian Stotts again. And I am looking forward to it. But once again, congratulations, Patchy Mix. And I, I, from the time that I picked Stotts to win that on, on the official Bellator app with my predictions, I, I kept thinking... I know I'm picking Stotts, and I'm a little biased, but I just had this feeling that Patchy had something different, some kind of different arsenal for Raffion, and he did. Wish I'd listen to myself more. Uh, in the co-main event, Alima Lay McFarlane gets the decision win over Kana Watanabe. I'm not going to say controversial. I'm going to say that this fight was really, really close. Um, you watch it one time, and McFarlane just edged, edged out Watanabe. And you watch it another time, and I thought Connor won. But when you let it go to the judges, I don't think the judges necessarily got it wrong. I, you know, it's it was a 50-50 fight. It was whichever way they were leaning. And they leaned to McFarlane. Great win for her. I don't want to take away from that. Uh, either one of these ladies could have been declared the winner, but it was McFarlane. Good fight. I would like to see them maybe face off again down the road. Not immediately, because I think Watanabe should fight somebody else. I think McFarlane should move up the card um, for her victory. But, good fight. Up next, Yancey Medeiros gets his submission win over Charlie Leary. This is when I actually started to get back on track with my picks. Uh, Yancey Merida, uh, Medeiros, solid lightweight fighter. Uh, anytime you get a submission win over somebody, you you, you know, nowadays, most of the time things don't get broken and people don't necessarily pass out, so... When you get a submission win, you made somebody else give up. And uh, Charlie Leary is no slouch. But sometimes you got to know to pick your battles and you got to live to fight another day. And, and Charlie realized that and uh, got out. He'll still do some good stuff, but good for Yancey Medeiros as he moves up the lightweight rankings. And finally, on the... Completely nailed this one, by the way. With a prediction. Um, Aaron Pico took on James Gonzalez. Now, in James Gonzalez's defense, he only about 10 days out found out about this, that he was the stand-in fighter. I forgot who Aaron Pico was initially going to go against, but um, Pico needs to needed a fight to get back, a, a solid win to get back on track. Yet quite been the Aaron Pico we uh, we know and love uh, here lately that uh, we're big fans of. But James Gonzalez, not only on the short notice part of it, but he took it to Aaron Pico. 
he gave Pico the kind of fight that is going to get the rust knocked off, and and the we're going to get that Aaron Pico uh, killer form again. But Pico gets the decision win over Gonzalez. That's that's the right call. He probably controlled sixty to sixty-five percent of the fight, fought his fight. Uh, but Gonzalez, he may have got a uh, he may have got a uh, another number added to the loss column. But I feel like not only taking it short notice, but having a really, really good showing against Aaron Pico, there's a good chance that uh, it actually helped him more than anything. That is going to do it for our MMA talk. When we come back, we're going to jump into the world of professional wrestling. I'm going to do my best to shorten this a little bit. But we'll be right back after this. Hey, this is Jeremy the Impact York from the Impact Media family of podcasts. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest ways to get your betting fixed. And don't forget BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. And we're back here on Strong Style. I'm Jeremy the Impact York. I want to welcome you guys back. Make sure to go visit our friends at BetOnline.net. They've got the wagering and the betting lines. They have the articles. They have the podcast. All the things to make you a better, more educated fan. Tell them Impact Media sent you. They love to hear that, and we love to hear from them that you told them that. Now, early part of the show, we talked UFC... Uh, Fight Nights, Holloway versus Allen, and Pavlovich versus Bl- uh, Curtis Blades. We previewed the Song Yudong versus Ricky Simone coming up this weekend. And we talked some Bellator 294 and 295 as uh, uh, Carmouche Bennett 2 and Raphael Stotts versus Patchy Mix in the Bantamweight Grand Prix. Lots of great content back there if you want to go back and listen to it as the first part of the show. But for now, we're going to jump into the world of professional wrestling. Now, in the last couple of weeks, there has only been one uh, pay-per-view to talk about, and that was Impact Wrestling's Rebellion, where a lot of things happened. So, let's get into it. Um, on the pre-show, Crazy Steve defeated, defeated Sheldon Jean by pinfall. Uh, it's a fun little five-minute match. Crazy Steve gets a solid win, and Sheldon Jean is could be Sheldon John. I've heard both. Uh, he is one of the young, uh, up-and-coming kind of prospects that Impact has right now. Uh, I've seen him featured on a couple of their other things. He was on TV last week as well. Uh, he's going to be a fun guy to add into the mix. He he looks like a good kid, good solid kid. Fun to see the things he's going to get into. Um, in a match that made absolutely no sense, uh, Champagne Singh, which is what he's calling himself now, and Shira defeated Heath and Rhino in a tag team match. Made no sense because Heath and Rhino are former tag team champions, and suddenly they're on the pre-show losing to another random team. Also on the pre-show, Kylin King and Taylor Wilde beat the Death Dolls of Jessica and Rosemary. 
for the Impact Knockout World Tag Team Championship. They basically retain their titles. Don't know where you go from there. They beat the Death Dolls. The Coven is what they're calling themselves. The Coven beat the Death Dolls. And then now they beat them again. And there's not really a lot of women's tag teams in Impact. So where do you go from there? I'm not saying that the Death Dolls should have won. But it's just another case of weird booking. But it was a pre-show. So doesn't matter that much, right? Um, to open up the show, we got to see Austin, Ace Austin and Chris Bay take on the Motor City Machine Guns, and in an Ultimate X match for the Impact World Tag Team Championships, and Ace Austin and Chris Bay end up with the victory in this one. It's been a while since I've seen a Tag Team Ultimate X these four understand the concept of the Ultimate X, and they made it work to their advantage. Very good uh, opening match. Uh, Dirty Dango, Joe Hendry, and Santino Marella defeated the design of Diener, Angels, Callahan, and Khan. It was a four-on-three handicap match, but Santino was coming back out of retirement, basically. So we kind of we kind of knew something was going to happen. Uh, doesn't make a lot of sense, though, because you build up the design and then a uh, random team of three people, one who hasn't wrestled in many years, beat you. So where are we going with that? PCO defeated Eddie Edwards in a last rights match. I guess that means we won't see Eddie for a little while. Maybe we won't see Alicia for a little while. Uh, PCO, as of this week, is the new number one contender. And uh, I will tell you who the champion is. Uh, when we get to the end of this, Trey Miguel retains his X Division Championship against Jonathan Gresham and Mike Bailey. I don't know. I know they think really highly of Miguel, and, and, I, and I agree, but Jonathan Gresham's one of the best Matt wrestlers I've ever seen in my life, and Mike Bailey is pretty dang exciting, too. He's kind of like a, a mini Rob Van Dam to a point with his strikes and uh, flips and things. Uh, so, where do you go from there with the, uh, the with Trey Miguel? Team Dreamer, which is Tommy Dreamer, Bupender, Gujar, Frankie Kazarian, Killer Kelly, and Yuya Rumura were able to defeat Team Bully of Bully Ray, Brian Myers, Kenny King, Masha Slamovich, and Moose by pinfall in a 10-wrestler hardcore war. Because why remember ECW when you can just relive it? Uh, I, I don't get why we have to have so many weapons matches and things like that. You guys know that by now. But uh, Tommy Dreamer is also taking some time off after this match just to mentally recharge and uh, things like that. And uh, we wish Tommy the best. But uh, good for Boopender Gujar who actually got a solid win. Um... We'll get to that in a minute. So, Deanna Perrazzo took on Jordan Grace uh, for the vacant Impact Knockouts World Championship. Mickey James said something last week before the pay-per-view where she basically laid the title on the line and said uh, she talked to a doctor and she's pretty much done. And she said she want, that's the way she wanted to go out. 
So, when Perazzo beat Jordan Grace, she becomes the new Impact Knockouts World Champion. Champion. Congratulations to Deanna Perazzo, who I think is the best female talent they have on their roster anyway. And that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Jordan Grace is really good. But uh, her and Deanna are definitely going to go back and forth. But um, good for Deanna. This was actually the main event, I believe. I can't remember. It jumbles together now. But uh, not to be outdone, Deanna Perrazzo's... Are they married? Fiance or husband? One or the other. Steve Macklin took on Kushida for the vacant Impact World Championship. Because Josh Alexander had to uh, eat Taurus pectoral or whatever. And he's going to be out for a while. As I have said since he first showed up in Impact Wrestling. Look, I'm a big Kushida fan. But Steve Macklin has World Champion written all over him. And he wins this. He becomes the Impact World Champion. And they reward him by saying that PCO is the number one contender. And that's just crazy. But other than that... Uh, by far the biggest highlights of this show of that pay-per-view were uh, Deanna Perrazzo and Macklin winning uh, their championships. But other than that, you know, I, I give Impact credit. It, it wasn't a bad show. It wasn't a bad show at all. It was a really solid show, but it just had a lot of moving parts kind of, uh, kind of all over it. So let's shift to let's shift to Raw, and on Raw, like I said, the, the same themes basically in the last couple weeks. So uh, this is kind of a Raw and SmackDown storyline, but you have the Usos, you have Solo Sokoa, basically the Bloodline minus Heyman and Reigns against uh, you. Kind of got KO, Sami Zayn, and Riddle on one side. Riddle is back. Um, we'll see how long that lasts. You kind of got Judgment Day thrown in there. And you kind of have the LWO in there, the Latino World Order. Which is Legado Del Fantasma and Rey Mysterio, basically. You guys notice they're putting a lot of trios together? Like they're starting to feature trios just like AEW's been doing for the last year? It's becoming a hot thing. A lot of the Mexican leagues in Puerto Rico and uh, a couple other ones across the world, they like to do factions and things like that. And AEW, for the most part, has been faction heavy, but it works to their advantage. Um... But the uh, the trio stuff that AEW has done well with in, in the recent year, without having without having a championship, they don't need trios championships. Not not on not on WWE. But I like the way they do these because you get the Usos versus KO and Zayn, or you get uh, you will get Ray and. Santos Escobar against uh, Finn Balor and and Damian Priest. I mean, you can you can pair them off into teams, tag teams, or you can have three on three battles. I like that these these four groups are being featured the way they are. 
Uh, we know the draft is coming up this week, starting, well, I guess it started Monday. We will see some of the moving parts and pieces as they move along, but uh, I just want to call out that those four teams battling each other make a lot of sense, and I could see a shakeup where a couple of those could get moved to other shows. Right now, um, most of them, I think all but Judgment Day, are technically SmackDown talents, but we'll see what Monday's draft shook out, and we'll see obviously what tomorrow, Friday, or no, two days from now, what Friday's SmackDown will show us as well. Uh, the other, or the second main thing going on in Raw right now is this feud between Cody, Brock, and Roman. A lot of people thought Cody would get the automatic, some sort of rematch, or uh, just because he didn't beat Roman at WrestleMania, he'd probably turn around and beat him at Backlash or something like that. And then Brock got in the middle of it. And here's why this happens. Roman is already on such a level that Cody, who is barely back from injury, has no build-up, no clout. He just walks in the door. We know he's Cody Rhodes. We know he's super awesome. We know he's number one contender, but he has no momentum. So if he would have walked in and beat Roman, it would have almost undone everything Roman's done in the last, what, five years. It would have undone a lot of stuff in WWE. It just would have made it mean nothing. So what do you do? So you can't have a rematch then, right? Because, once again, if Cody didn't necessarily have the momentum then, how can a loss to the same guy that's trying to rematch boost that? You, you can't. Enter Brock Lesnar. Because Cody needs a solid win against somebody with clout who can also take a loss, or the loss won't matter much. Enter Brock Lesnar. Cody and Brock can have some epic feuds over the next month or so. In the end, Cody can get the big win, and it gives him more clout. It gives him more stability, more momentum. Even if he doesn't go straight at Roman after that. Now, I don't know what you do with Roman in between there. you got to throw somebody in there. But I think at some point they're going to split the titles back into a Raw and a SmackDown. I don't know if that means Roman will forfeit one, give up one, or lose one. But you're starting to get a couple people like Gunther that you need to put a, a bigger title on. I know he is the current Intercontinental Champion, but other than that, that guy's got World Champ written on him, and uh, like I said, I say by the end of the year, Gunther is going to be a World Heavyweight Champion. But we'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, but like I said, I think Brock is in there to help boost Cody. And I have no problem with that whatsoever. Because basically, he'd, he'd double-crossed Cody. At some point, he'll come back at Roman himself. But for now, Brock versus Cody is what we should be watching. And then lastly, the, uh, the group of damage control as they go after Bianca Belair. Io Shirai, not Io Shirai, she's Io Sky now, but Io earning a shot at Bianca's title with a solid performance. Uh, Dakota Kai earning one as well. Um, I think Bailey's not going anywhere. Well, there was a lot of speculation earlier. If she went anywhere, I think she'd join um, her friend Mercedes Monet over in New Japan. Uh, Bailey in Japan, I think, would be a really good pickup, but I think she enjoys WWE. I just think they're... 
they're going to do something interesting and just do something different with the damage control group. Don't know if they'll split them or not. Or have Bailey double cross them or so. I don't know. But uh, at some point, somebody's got to beat Bianca. I don't know that it's necessarily any of them. It could be Bailey. I don't see it. Maybe she double crosses EO and Dakota en route to beating Bianca. And maybe that gives a little bit of a riff. But um, big fan of the damage control group. And you guys know, uh, even though I respect Bianca Belair, it's, it's time to do something different with that title. Uh, as far as SmackDown goes, uh, the big the, the there's three big things going on that that I haven't mentioned before with the, the crossovers. Uh, Gunther continues to be on fire, as I said. Uh, just dude is just straight up balling. Um, he's got Imperium as backup. Imperium are a solid tag team, a really really good tag team. I can see them doing some stuff down the road. Uh, I could also see them splitting them. I wouldn't split them yet. But uh, like I said, Gunther by the end of the year I think will be a heavyweight champ. He'll be a world champ. He's just that good. Uh, second big thing going on, where in the world is Bray Wyatt? I heard it could be an injury. I mean about the time they start to pick up a storyline, he disappears again. With the Uncle Howdy stuff, which you know, all rumors going is that it's his real-life brother. Which would make a lot of sense, because he is hanging around there. I think he was a backstage producer. Uh, Bo Dallas. And, uh, just, where's Bray Wyatt? Even with an injury, there's there's segments they could do to, to keep him fresh in everybody's mind. But he come out, he come back with such a... Such a just heat wave that uh, it's just completely cooled off. And if they don't watch it, the fans will start tuning out. Not me, but some of them will. And then finally, L.A. Knight. L.A. Knight is one of the best mechanics and talents on the uh, probably the roster, let alone just SmackDown roster. Um, at this point... Uh, Xavier Woods beat him the other day. Xavier Woods is really good, no problems there. But L.A. Knight jobs out to everybody. And he's too good of a talent on the mic and in the ring to just be jobbing out to people. I could see him returning to NXT even briefly, kind of like Gargano did, to take on somebody. Uh, either Carmelo or, or Waller would make a lot of sense. But I, I can see him returning down there to to uh, help hype some people up. But other than that, I mean, L.A. Knight's almost being wasted. And he's just too good for that. Uh, your big NXT headlines. I'm going to try to shorten this show as much as I can. Your big NXT headlines. Uh, the Dyad want out. Both those guys and those tag team are trying to get out. Uh, the only problem with that... The WWE said no. They said, how about no? So, the Dyad are stuck in their contracts uh, until October, I believe. Interesting time period there. Um, When their contracts officially run out. And uh, WWE, I could see them 
uh, I could see them cutting them off the roster, laying them off right before that, and slapping them with a 30, 60, or 90 day no compete clause. But more than likely, they'll just they'll let it run its course. They'll be putting people over for for the rest of the summer, and uh, at that point, I want to see what happens with Joe Gacy. I would, uh, if Bray White is not going to be around, or not not around as much, I would consider moving Gacy into that role because he can kind of be that role. He can't. I don't know that he can quite do the as dark as Bray Wyatt, but you don't need it. Joe Gacy could continue to do his schism stuff. Um, even with Rock's daughter there, they they could pair up and and they could they could do some really really good things on the top roster. Um, the feud between Gallus and the Creeds is really good. Gallus is a exceptional, talented group. Uh, I'm big fans of theirs. The Creeds are good. They have limitations. Now, they are green. They had a good run early on. Uh, but they've kind of, they've kind of settled into the spot that they're in now, which is where they're not going to necessarily be the big tag team threat, but they're always in the chase. They're always in the hunt. Gallus is going to run through this division and then probably get called up. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they got called up at the draft. Uh, but we will see. We got to see the great former NXT UK uh, standout Noam Dar, who made his debut. Uh, looks to be a pretty solid talent. I don't know much about him. I know I've heard his name before, but uh, he took on Miles Dorn, who looked pretty good in his in his uh, match against Noam Dar. Dar took some pretty good shots before kind of pulling out the win in the end. He didn't control the entire match. I don't know if that was his call or what, but uh, I, I liked it. It was a good match, and we'll see what Noam Dar does because every time. One of the European big players have come over. They've really made a big splash. So, be interesting to see who ends up. I would like to see Noam Dar against Axiom or somebody, uh, Wesley, somebody that is going to really enhance the things he does well. We got to see the Braun Breaker heel turn. It basically just means that instead of wrestling like his dad and talking and looking like his uncle. Of course, we're talking about Steiner Brothers, his dad being Rick Steiner, his uncle being Scott Steiner. That now he is full-fledged, he talks, walks, and acts like his Uncle Scott. I like it, though. Say less, more action. Uh, just take out random people. Odyssey Jones just randomly taking out people. I, I like it. you you got to make people start hating you somehow. So... Best thing to do is to find the people they really like and have him smash them. Um, the trio of Indy Hartwell, Tiffany Stratton, and Roxanne Perez. Uh, you could throw Cora Jade in there a little bit. I think she is the uh, the outside horse in this race. But it's making the it's making the women's title mean so much. Uh, having Indy. Win it, having these three, including the former champ Roxanne, go at it. I think Coro's a former champ too. If not, maybe not. But 
these four are, two, are are pretty much the the main top tier talents. There's a couple other ones down there, but those are the top four, in my opinion, down there right now as they sort out uh, all the rest of the landscape. And good on Indy Hartwell for getting this kind of run. But uh, Indy, Tiffany, Roxanne, and Cora, they're going to keep the summer as a smoking action. Just, it's going to be the women's division just going to keep heating up. And then um, Carmelo and Waller. Do you guys realize that they're not making Carmelo Hayes, who is the champ, and he has Trip Williams with him, they're not making him the... Um, they're not making him the face. That's what I'm trying to say. They're not turning him good. This is a very much bad guy versus bad guy with bad guy thing. And they're going to pull this off because Waller is turning into a master heel and Carmelo just dials it up a little bit to not be as heelish, just be truly off-the-charts athletic, which Waller's pretty athletic, too. Uh, but those two fighting over the title is probably going to be a, a summer thing unless one gets called up. Um, but uh, those are two of the best, and that feud has big money written all over it. Absolutely all over it. Let's move on to AEW, where I believe they listen to my podcast. Why do I think they listen to my podcast? Because for what? Over a year, I have told you guys the four pillars, the four building blocks, the four cornerstones. I have come up with all kinds of four-person lingo. And who all are they? I said AEW would be smart to take these four people and build the future around them which is kind of what they've done since the beginning. They have used veterans to help put over the younger talent and to help develop the younger talent, and they're doing spectacular with that. But let's all count them together. Number one, Jack Perry. Let's drop the Jungle Boy. I understand that stuff, but let's start being Jack Perry. Sammy Guevara. Ridiculous talent. Darby Allen, the people's champ. And MJF, the actual champ. Those four guys there, that there are organizations. I, I tell you right now, if Impact Wrestling had those four, they they would be beside themselves. Yeah, WWE would love to have them. Wouldn't probably know what to do with them all. Uh, even New Japan would would be salivating over having those four as your young talent. Like I so said, you got MJF as the champ. Uh, it of the of the three. If anybody was going to beat him for... Because they've had this little mini tournament. And uh, MJF helped Guevara beat Jack Perry this week. Okay, Jack's out. Guevara is going to take on Darby. And the winner of that takes on MJF. So, a lot of people think, oh, well, Darby's clearly going to win. Even if Jack Perry come out with him to even the odds. Uh, Darby's clearly going to win and Darby versus MJF. Okay, well, if that happens, MJF's going to win. Darby's good. Darby does not have the momentum to take it. Not right now. He could down the road. I'm not saying he can't be champ. I just, just think he can't be champ right now. So, it shifts. Okay, well then that means Jack Perry, right? I'd put him in the same boat as, as Darby. 
he's not as established. Everybody knows him as Jungle Boy. He needs to he's get out of the Jungle Boy shadow. He needs some good, solid wins. And then he could potentially take on a world title shot. I look at Jack Perry right now as to where Adam Page was years ago in Ring of Honor before he be- joined the Bullet Club and become Hangman Adam Page, where he truly evolved when he started hanging out with the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and AJ Styles and uh, Gallows and Anderson. These veterans that took him under the wing and said, you want to be a top-tier star? This is what you should be doing. And I would argue that Hangman is is a truly a top talent, that when he comes back from injuries and things like that, that... Uh, that uh you know he he could he could really be something out there but in my opinion the one that makes the most sense now if you want Darby to be the first to go against MJF fine if you want Jack Perry to be next after that i think if anybody is going to pull off pull off the win over MJF i think it's Sammy Guevara why wouldn't it be You got, you know, him and MJF in cahoots to pull this off. And then Guevara could pull the ultimate upset and uh, double-crossing him and winning. So, and I'll be honest, I don't know that all any of the three are ready. They're close. I would say... I would say Darby, Sammy, Jack Perry, in that order, as to who's ready to maybe be on that top level. I would actually say Hangman would be the one. If somebody's going to beat MJF, I think Hangman's the one I would go with, because it makes it makes a lot of sense if you want to go a different direction. But MJF is champ into the fall also makes sense. If he wants to beat all three of the other pillars, yeah, it works. But good to know that the AEW top brass or whoever makes the shot callers or maybe it's Tony Khan. Shout out Tony Khan. Been a big fan of you and your dad for a long time. I used to cover the Jaguars. You guys are great. Never did run into you guys. Would love to. Love to have you on the show. Tony, shout out to any of you guys. Uh, but it's good to know you guys are listening when I talk about the pillars, the cornerstones, the columns, whatever you'll call them. Uh, but let's move on. The Blackpool Combat Club practically running amok and doing whatever they want to do is getting really, really old. You need somebody to kind of put them in their place. I honestly think Daniel Bryan's not going to wrestle too much longer. I honestly think John Moxley could leave for New Japan at any given moment. He just, uh, they just they turn everything into... Let's jump everybody and use weapons and make them bloody and and really look like they're injuring people. And it's at some point they're gonna in, they're gonna really injure people. What happens when they hurt everybody on the roster? Then why want to work with them? And they're all really really good talents. But the elite only have three members, so it was a four on three. You need another one. Kanosuke Takeshita. I don't know how Don Callis got hooked up that way. I don't know if it's the Japan connection or whatever it is, but Takeshita, as the fourth member of the elite, basically, just to take on the Blackpool Combat Club. Oh, wow. Not only is that a great nod for uh, K- 
Konosuke, but uh, those are eight people that will that will be in wars. I hope they don't do war games. It'll be so stupid if they do. But uh, the Elite and, and uh, Takeshita versus the Blackpool Combat Club is going to be fun all summer long because it's going to go a while. You got eight members that you can you one on ones, two on twos, three on threes, four on fours. You can do all kinds of mixes and matches that uh, is just going to keep everything great and just that pot just boiling over. Congrats to Wardlow on being your new TNT champ. I kind of got to agree with a friend of mine, a friend of the show, James, out in California. He met Wardlow. He brought up the fact of, uh, hey, what about working with somebody like Miro? And Wardlow seemed to kind of light up with that, and he said, love to. Loves the guy. Having Wardlow and, and Miro go at it for a while, that could be a lot of fun. Definitely a lot of fun. Not sure why they took the time out. I think Wardlow might have been injured or took some time off or something like that. Not real sure why uh, Wardlow dropped the title to Hobbs, basically just to get it back. But maybe that will set up some things down in the future. I want to see what Wardlow does get into. There's some other people he could take on, but him and Miro, even if they partnered up, I think would be a lot of fun. Uh in fact, Miro could teach Wardlow a lot about being in the business, and uh, uh, should be good. Should be good. I want to see what Wardlow does. Having Jay White, man, what a pickup that was. Jay White works anywhere, and Juice Robinson, who can also work anywhere. Having these two pair up, whether they create their own little uh, Bullet Club faction, they're no. Uh, it Jay White's no longer Bullet Club. But uh, him and Juice Robinson, if they wanted to start their own thing, would make a lot of sense. Um, I like the pairing. I, I I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily make them a tag team, but having them team up against people and having them together as a tandem is only just going to deepen this roster and make it uh, just just so much fun. Uh, for people who don't know Jay White, I implore you to use things like the internet and YouTube and go watch his matches from Japan and uh, Old Ring of Honor, things like that. Uh, he's come a long way, but uh, Jay White is a bona fide star. Um, I would like to see Jay White against Adam Cole. I would like to see things like Juice Robinson... You know, Juice Robinson, Jack Perry would be pretty fun. Uh, actually, Juice Robinson, Darby Allen. That would, that's a war waiting to happen. Uh, but that pairing, Jay White, Juice Robinson, I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, Jericho, Adam Cole. Once again, this is Jericho putting over the, uh, the next wave talent behind him. Adam Cole, future world champ. He's just that good. Uh, a lot of people say that he used to ride the coattails of people like Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong. I would say all those groups and factions they were all in together were they were all standalone stars who happened to walk next to each other. And you're going to see Adam Cole. I could him and Britt are going to start doing the uh, the Guevara Tay tandem and making it look way better. Nothing personal to, to Guevara and, and uh, Ty Conti or whatever. Ty Mello. Time Mellow, I think she goes by. 
but uh, Adam Cole, Britt Baker, the new power couple of wrestling. Uh, let's see. The Jamie Hayter, Britt Baker versus the Outcasts. Um, this would be a solid feud. It's just the Outcast with spray paint and the just we don't care punk attitude. We do what we want. Yeah, well, we already have the male equivalent of that called the Blackpool Combat Club, and they're annoying as crap, too. So, you guys should do something different. I, I don't know what. The spray paint, eh. But you, you're ruining people's outfits is just annoying more than it is effective. Uh, just go out and wrestle. You guys, all all five of, of you ladies are top-tier talents. So, just go wrestle. Why do we have to attack people? Why do we have... It makes no sense. Uh, not sure why Hook and Isaiah Cassidy and the Hardys are kind of all linked together. But uh, now Jeff Hardy is, is back. So... We'll see how long that lasts. Um, in fact, I mean, without sounding like a true straight-up shot at either one of them, we should kind of start a pool or, or, a, or even just take a poll. And uh, who lasts longer this time around, Matt Riddle in WWE or Jeff Hardy in AEW, which is bad. I want the best for him. I, I want him to quit messing up and doing dumb things, but... They both keep doing that, and they both keep getting welcomed back with open arms, and you're just you're just setting a, a bad precedent, and I don't like it. I don't like either one of them because they are they're taking up space that that could be for your better talent around them. But it is what it is. And last time I checked, Triple H and Tony Khan do not ask my opinion. They just apparently have hidden microphones that listen to me. That's a joke. Um, I like the group of Ethan Page, Lee Moriarty, Big Bill, and Stokely Hathaway. It just, they're, they're almost like the QT Marshall, Marshall faction, though. That it's like, they're just there to lose to somebody else. And those guys are way too talented to do stuff like that. So I, I want to see them get a little bit of a foothold somewhere. I, I'm not sure where, but they don't ask my opinion, remember? And the evolution of Julia Hart, you know, she was she was hanging around the uh, Varsity Blondes for a while and doing some great stuff. Her moving into the House of Black, I said, would be exceptional because you're going to get around three guys who are going to open up a whole new world of, of things to you. And they have. And her evolution as uh, the dark, brooding... She's more than a manager. The dark, brooding... Let's see, Rhea is, is more physical with the Judgment Day. But more methodical, more cerebral is what Julia Hart is doing with the House of Black. And her matches recently have been just leaps forward from where she was. She, she was a solid talent before, but you can tell working with those three has has really done wonders for her overall conditioning and just her demeanor. And, uh, I mean, you're talking about three veterans who just understand how to put on the show. I'm not saying the blondes don't. I'm just saying Malachi Black, Brody King, 
and Buddy Murphy are three people that if you ever want to bring out the dark side of of your wrestling abilities, that would be the people I would dial up. 1,000%. Um, New Japan. Man, it's going to be a long show. New Japan. Thanks for sticking with us, by the way. Thanks for sticking with us. Um, New Japan, we got to see Mercedes Monet defend her title against AZM and uh, Hazuki. It's a really good triple threat match. If you don't, didn't get a chance to watch it, try to find it online uh, or, or various other places. But uh, the more important thing was after Mercedes Monet was got the victory in New Japan fashion, her next contender come down, Maya Iwatani come down and called her out and uh, told her when and where and that she is next okay well Mercedes slapped the taste out of her mouth of Maya and knocked her knocked her silly and uh, then walked off so that was pretty much her answer for that uh, just makes a, makes a lot of sense so Mercedes is going to really help pioneer the brand new women's division in New Japan and it helps when you have AZM and Hazuki and uh, Kari and there's so many great young talented females over there when you add Mercedes in there like I said if Bailey wanted to leave New Japan is the absolute place she should go with the backup being um, Impact Wrestling AEW should get covered up because she didn't she doesn't fit any of the factions they have going. Um, as good as she is, they they I, I just don't see good things happening with her being there. But um, uh, Mercedes Monet definitely keeping everything going well for her and really making that New Japan scene just pop. Uh, the other match they showed this week was Robbie Eagles who challenged Hiromu Takahashi. I'm a big fan of Hiromu. He is the uh, junior champ over there. Uh, man, this is such a such an incredible match. Robbie Eagles is a guy who may have been a third or fourth tier, just kind of curtain jerker, just, uh, just as much as a year or so ago, and now is in feature main event matches with Hiromu Takahashi. This was a great match. Robbie Eagles did a number on Takahashi's knee, and uh, in the end, he fell up. He fell just a little short. Takahashi retains his title. Man, I would say four to four and a half star match. Just incredible, absolutely incredible. And as I have been doing with Wow Women of Wrestling, I want to tell you about the uh, people who I think had the best performances this week. Like I said, I'm still trying to get a grasp of the uh, landscape over there and the way they do things. Um, I like it a lot. There's a lot of really good talent there. Um, and, and they do some really good things. I could see a lot of their talent uh, going elsewhere somewhere down the road. But for now, uh, I thought Randy Rara had a fantastic week. Uh, they, they did this goofy thing where she got a whistle... Uh, glued to her tongue, not not. It was just part of the bit they were doing. I don't think it really was, but wrestling with a whistle attached, permanently, semi-attached to your mouth, 
would give you challenges, like breathing challenges and things like that, and she played them off well. She was in a tag match. She ended up not winning, but uh, as hard as, as that would be to pull off to keep the whistle in your mouth the whole time, uh, I thought she did a great job. I think she has a really good work ethic. And uh, like I said, I think uh, Randy Rara is a is a talent that uh, is is worth watching every weekend. Wow, they've got a lot of really good stars up there. Uh, she is one of my favorite because uh, she just like her her overall presentation is great. And then uh, the one I will take flack for because when I mentioned this earlier this week to some people, they, they couldn't believe these were the people I picked. Uh, but uh, Vicky Lynn McCoy, who I believe is the world champ, and Penelope Pink, they're all part of, let's see there, with the uh, Miami Sweet Heat faction with Lana Star as the head there. But uh, they, are, they, they have all the championships. But um, Vicky Lynn McCoy is, uh, she really is the enforcer and really, really holds this faction together. I mean, she is the, um, she's the workhorse, and she, like the, like I said, she's the enforcer, and just, I mean, she will about out-wrestle anybody in the room. I don't know if she has an amateur background or a judo background or some sort of martial art, but, uh, you can tell she really knows what she's doing. And Penelope Pink is uh, is another one as a part of the Lana Star faction that just had an incredible week. And this and it's the same thing. It's her in-ring work was uh, spectacular. And uh, I very much enjoyed... I believe they come up on the winning... Yeah, I think they won. They, there was a big eight-woman tag uh, as they took on the, uh, the island faction over there. But... Uh, yeah, those are the people that I thought had tremendous weeks. Hopefully you guys had tremendous weeks. Um, programming note is being handed down to me, and that is that the That Sports Show, all-inclusive sports show this week, will not air tonight or tomorrow, but Friday. We're told Friday. We're going to skip over Thursday, apparently, so that we can live-tweet the draft, and we will recap the draft and talk... Uh, Rugby and um, Atlanta United and Falcons and all and Braves and all that fun stuff on Friday. But other than that, that is this has been a great edition of Strong Style, our weekly MMA and pro wrestling show. I'm your host Jeremy the Impact York. We'll see you guys next week. Go watch wrestling. Go watch fighting. Deuces, gooses. <laughs>